Welcome back to an all-new installment of the Super Metal Brothers podcast, where we are really progenies of a great apocalypse. I am Super Metal Brother Matt. And I'm Super Metal Brother Dan. Dan, it's been a miracle. Adelaide has finally had rain. We have gone through our longest ever winter without seeing a drop of uh, the god's nectar. How do you feel about that? I think the timing's perfect because we're about to review like a pretty black and death album. I think the same time we're having like fog and clouds and darkness at the same time we're reviewing this album. And we didn't even feature in the top 10 podcast, search for a new podcast. They were looking for new people to be on the, uh, you know, to get a free $5,000 budget to uh, spend as you will. Uh, we didn't even get not only number one, not only number two, but even in the top 10, the Superman Brothers weren't featured. Uh, maybe it got lost in the mail, Danny. Yeah, I'm... Um- Pretty confident that's how it worked. I think maybe the different time zones, they didn't know how to deal with that, so they kind of freaked out. and Digital mail. Nevertheless, we are here to give you guys what you've been begging for, and that is some of the best things about metal in the past week we have got for you guys. What you would know yourself as a metalhead. So basically, we're doing a list tonight, taken from the fans, and you'll know if you're a metalhead if. That is our question for the week. We've also got a review of a band called Invoke. It's called a Somnium Paradox, the album. Very interesting. We can't wait to talk about that. But first, Danny, what do we got for the fans? We've got a bit of news. And I guess the best way to start with the news is, again, talking about gods. Let's talk about our metal god and Ronnie James Dio. And uh, Metal Injection, they like to do their top 10 or top 15 or 20 albums of musicians. And they decided to publish one of their top 15 or 20 albums of uh, Ronnie James Dio. And this is not just Dio by himself, but Dio and Rainbow and Dio and Black Sabbath and, of course, Dio and Dio. But they did not include Dio and Elf, his oh. uh, band before Deep Purple. Oh, so before Rainbow. So that was interesting. The band which pretty much turned into Rainbow when Richie Blackmore kicked all the band members. So let's go through that uh, list. Uh, basically, I'm going to go through the top ones for you in a sec. And uh, I guess there was a 17 that he's done so far that Dio's been on. But the top five would be from five to one, Dio last in line, four Black Sabbath mob rules, three Rainbow Rising, Two Black Sabbath, Heaven and Hell, and number one, Holy Diver. Um, the list actually in itself is pretty solid, maybe with one or two things that uh, we had issue with. We are the Super Metal Brothers, and I guess you know we had to have our Super Metal opinion. And what would those ones be for you, Danny? Yeah, for me, the um, the top ten consisted of that new uh, Black Sabbath one called well, the Heaven and Hell one, which is Bible Black, and that just wasn't that great. Uh, a lot of people, I guess, because the romance about the fact that Dio going back to Black Sabbath releasing a new album but it just wasn't that good they had one good song on it which was Bubble Black the rest was just same same that one there and Lock Up The Wolves is about 10th or so or 12th and that wasn't that was a pretty average album as well but the rest is pretty good I mean it's it's it is always hard it comes down to natural taste but I thought the top 5 was pretty good you know, maybe you could change your order slightly, but I thought it was quite good. Yeah, no, look, at the end of the day, it was funny by coincidence, our old man bought all of the best records, and we've never heard the worst one. So by default, we had to naturally go, well, yeah, the list is fine. So um, as luck would have it, uh, a solid album. So we'll move on to the next band that we're talking about who have got an album coming up, which is Aborted. We actually reviewed the uh, Retro Gore album. Gee, it only felt like yesterday, and it kind of feels like, Considering what other bands do, it really is, Danny. Oh, these guys here, they just like writing material like continuously. They In the last, what, 10 or so years, I think they've released it like 15, 10 hours. Every year and a half, they release a new album. It's just They just want to get this stuff out there. Um, Did you hear the song track, Danny? I actually did. I listened to it today, and to me, it just sounds, unfortunately, similar to what we've heard with Retrical and Necrotic Manifesto. So Yeah, the thing is with them, they really are playing to their strengths. But we've seen with the band a good progression, you know, and I think when they hit Global Flatline, they started to take that uh, old melodic death metal uh, uh, 
kind of idea and they kind of embellished it and then it got heavier with the global flatline and then until they perfect that with the album the chronic manifesto and i think for the band that was their heaviest time of balancing all those death metal um dark very aggressive tones but now it feels like they're kind of almost quoting themselves and i think like retro gore was when we reviewed that last year for anyone who was interested to check that out it was really an album of two halves first half kind of like the greatest hits of them and then the next half the it was felt like a bit of that mellow death siphon before, but they've already treaded that ground and they've kind of perfected it. But to be fair, their album was called Retro Gore, so it's kind of retrospective on their work. So maybe that was just a clever thing S- they did. Self aware, however, still didn't like the track. So actually, have you seen the title of the track though? It's called Fallacious Crescendo. So is that, like, is that when you like get a head job and that's the ending of your head job? <laughs> Really, these lyrics are going to be pretty much out there. Generally, I think I've boarded songs about as long as I've had a head job for it, I guess. So, <laughs> oh, actually, but the way oh, these guys are pretty creepy, so their their descriptions of getting oh, head jobs would be pretty freaking gross, man. Speaking about doing crimes, we've got fugitives. Fugitives getting arrested at Iron Maiden concerts. Apparently, a Derek Roseland has been wanted for weeks on aggravated kidnapping charge. I guess kidnapping is mostly aggravated. And I've never known a person to be kidnapped <laughs> and being like, yeah, sure. Hey. I don't have like doing your homework anyway. Oh, my parents won't mind. Yeah, I think you're right, man. I think your joke about this well before you said is that Anyone who technically goes to Iron Maiden concert should be arrested. Damn is, it! Isn't that your joke? The biggest that- <laughs> crime was going to an Iron Maiden concert. I have become predictable yeah, in our no. second year of doing this, but um, but it's got a lot of points to my truth, though, as well. I'm surprised many people were arrested. Oh, that's harsh. <laughs> yeah, the, the, fu- the funny thing about this is that his the, his missus or wife or partner is the one who actually um, spoiled the beans where he's going to be. Yeah. She posted on Facebook that, oh, me and my hubby are going to see the Iron Maiden concert. And they literally, the police of the department actually knew what seat number he was going to be oh. in. And we were ready for him when he sat down, six guys swarmed him. Rookie and then the missus comes out and goes, Oh, I won't forget this. I'll find that person who served and framed my husband. I'll get you. Oh. It was you, lady, you fools. Uh, I think you might as well add domestic violence to the whole entire kidnapping oh. thing as well, I'd imagine. Because this guy's going to be raking himself up a uh, quite a kit streak, I'd imagine. Honestly, this is going to be one of those greatest stories of ever. This, this story will be continued throughout the years. It's one of the funniest, like, stories ever i think the police department will continuously get like a joke out of that oh absolutely but uh we have to move on to our next story with nickelback now we've talked about this last week where nickelback's lead singer chet kroger and Corey taylor from uh, slipknot and stone sour have been having this beef lately and uh though i never really cared to see where it came from it seems to have kept going affecting nickelback apparently sales have dropped by 41 percent yeah, that could also be true because they've decided to go like more hard and edgy. Yeah. And mm. no, they haven't gone hard and edgy by that one song they released about six months ago. And yep. most of their fans are probably like, no, we don't care because we don't want hard edgy. We want soft rock. Well, Nickelback really aren't feeling the heat as much. I mean, they're still selling more than 10 million copies, which, uh, you know, is quite important. But, you know, apparently Chad Kroger is to rock what KFC is to chicken. What, successful? Delicious? I don't really know what the joke is in that, Danny. I think Corey Taylor goes on to say he, um, like, you, you eat it, but you feel bad afterwards. So maybe Nick Pass, like, you, maybe you listen to it and enjoy it, but you feel guilty afterwards, potentially. Uh, yeah, I guess so. But um, Stone Sour, dude, I mean, like, there are, you can draw parallels between Stone Sour and Nickelback. So, you know, I'd say, well, maybe go to Macca's to listen to Stone Sour. Oh, did I just go there? Yeah. Well, I don't go to Macca's, but, you know, someone else might. It's pretty weird because, like, yeah, KFC's pretty much made chicken, like, I guess it was already household name, but just made chicken like really like 
awesome and more successful. Well, that's when you're getting chicken, you know. A lot of people have claimed difference, so, uh, you know. Actually, maybe that's why maybe saying it's like reprocessed and manufactured to resemble chicken, but it's not really chicken. Just like yeah. Nickel Bass being like manufactured to process a rock band, but they're not really a rock band. This is a lot of politics going on with that, so let's talk about well, Ice maybe. Earth. <laughs> well, let's go about Ice Earth, the main man. We talked about Ice Earth last week where, uh, you know, Danny loved the album. I'm, I'm, I'm so far on the fence that those pickets are going through my underwear. But um, is political correctness killing our species? Well, that's what the main guy from Ice Earth has come out and said, Danny. Killing species is quite aggressive. You know, he thinks the whole safe zones and the political correctness is creating a world where basically the weak people now don't know how to survive and thrive in what we like to call in the unscientific community or in the scientific community, uh, reality. You oh, know? yes, yes. Uh, as you got a case here, though, though, is he kind of like, you know, kind of stirring the pot a bit here with the uh, social scientists here or is it, he's got a lot to talk about here? Is it, he's on the money? Right, I mean, John Schaefer, he's been around for a long time. He's probably from an old school, hardworking culture. I don't know his background. Uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of the, the, they, these days, you have a lot of these kids who have the net and most people have the net and a bit privileged in the fact they could go on the internet and feel like they have the right to express themselves. But what percentage of that actually is in reality? Who knows? But those people, you're right, those people won't survive. They, they will never move out. They'll never take the assertive because they can't deal with probably with rejection and they yeah. can't deal with reality. I mean, what's a safe space? Imagine on a job site, like, you know, you make an error and your boss yells you for like costing him 10 grand. Look, oh, you can't yell at me. I want my safe space. You wait, you wait. No, that's called, that's called home when you're fired, mate. That's your safe space. Well, that's right. And then the day with the heavy metal, um, you've kind of seen political correctness creep into like comic books movies, video games. And you know what all those three have in common when it comes to political correctness? No. Downwards in sales, man. Political correctness has a way of just making people bored. You know what I mean? And I think that's the thing about it. And we are seeing to see a little bit creep into metal, especially when we go to these metal out magazines. Guys like Asim Rosenberg and all that from Metal Sucks, Metal Injection, proudly denounce like um, conservatives and Donald Trump and that. And like, how about you tell us about bands that we can do? Yeah. And that's why we ha- are here right it's now. Metal. Metal. We want to about metal. Eventually, we're going to turn into that. Do you remember the Grey Plan from Futurama? Where yeah. Where Grey? Tell my wife I said hello. <laughs> <laughs> um, we are looking at 100th and being as an ocean tour bus. Uh, it did catch fire. So the Anthony Gazel from it said he lost his shoes and his hat and his backpack, which would have sucked, man. Lost some T-shirts, man. I would not know how to go on if I lost my old man's child T-shirts. It's literally like the really cool one with the skull and the girl's getting impaled by the horns of this dead this dead animal. Yeah. It's metal as all hell, right? Um, but he said his other mates would have lost like their iPads and phones and stuff. So, um, yeah. you know, just a, just a shout out to them. And you know, if they want a patron or something, we won't talk about it, but it does suck. The best thing about that is the, um, all the equipment was on another bus. So, unfortunately, yeah. they were pretty cool. Apparently, they're currently doing the Vans Warp Tour in America. So, hopefully, it sounds like they can continue touring because no one got hurt and the equipment got damaged. So, that, that's cool. Hopefully, they've got insurance covers all those small Probably things. like a hair straightener or something. Something so, you know, something. common, you know what I mean? Just don't have hair like us. You know, you'd be surprised how many houses don't burn down with us, man. Although, we have to run the heating through the roof because, you know, again, bold. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> really bold. <laughs> Ian Gilling doesn't think Richie Blackmore has ever grown up and he rules out any future collaboration. Now, the funny thing was that Richie Blackmore kind of wanted to tease that a little bit, but uh, Deep Purple just keep slamming it down. And right now, the lead singer from the classic Deep Purple band, hard rock, rock and roll, just saying it's not going to happen, with the iconic member that was Richie Blackmore. Yeah, well, he wrote all the great songs and he was the f- former foundation member of 
deep purple. But Ryan Gillen is pretty much put as like a divorce. He goes, you divorce for a reason, and you know sometimes you end with a divorce well, sometimes you end badly. This divorce kind of ended badly, but at least they've kind of started being mutual respect. He's always had a mutual respect for Richie Blackmore. He admits it, like he's a great songwriter, great guitarist, a lot of praise for him. And he's always considered Deep Purple to be an instrumental band that he just kind of adds on afterwards. So it's quite nice for him to say, but like I said, you, you divorce for a reason and you work through it, but you would never think about getting back together. But, but like any divorce, it really comes down to uh, what's bad for the kids, you know, and they ended up getting separated. And by that, I mean the songs. So now we're seeing like literally Deep Purple and Richie Blackmore playing Smoke on the Water, Black Knight, all those kind of classic hits, but uh, I guess whatever one you think does it more justice. Well, that's true, but again, you, you've taken away both. You, know, you had a really good working system, Deep Purple, in the day. Then you kind of separated them all, and unfortunately, John Lord died. So you've kind of weakened two people. So having a really good, strong unit, you've kind of got two weaker halves, and unfortunately, that's how it is. It is how it is, unfortunately, but nevertheless, we have to move on with our next story. And uh, let's just get something that we can all agree on that is terrible, and that is Kendall and Kylie Jenner basically had to halt their sale of their controversial T-shirts. Now, why were they controversial of selling a pair of fabric that is black with something on it? Well, what was on those T-shirts, Danny, that made so many of the metal community upset? This was These girls here... Uh, they're a terrible waste of space. I mean, like, you know, a, a sperm had to travel all that way, fight off the millions of other sperms to make an egg to produce a baby, and it produces these people. This is terrible. This is what privilege and a safe space, because basically they are so isolated with their 20-foot high fences oh. in Hollywood Hills somewhere. They had to then try to sell $125 T-shirts where they would have Metallica's image in the background, but blur it out so they could then impose their faces in front of it. But it wasn't just metal that got hit as well. I think it might have been rap as well and yeah, stuff. Yeah, like The Doors, you had Tupac, The Tourist B.I.G. You had, um, again, Metallica. You had Ozzy Osbourne. All of these classic like band shirts, which are iconic kind of band shirts. And they thought, oh, no, we're going to make them more, what, fabulous, whatever the words, and, and put pictures of their face on them. Who cares? You're not even that good looking. You don't deserve to have your face on anything. And, then, and they're getting these shirts, which you could probably buy for 25 bucks put their face on them, and now it's $125. What? They deeply apologized, right? So they've taken it off. But what they really should acknowledge is that how much they would have been sued. And literally, no matter how many T-shirts they would have sold would have been literally of going at the trouble of having someone else's image on someone else's artwork and then claiming it as your own. It's basically like grabbing some Texas and going across the uh, Metallica's um, at Master Puppets album, screwing it out and going, Kylie and Jenner, Summer Madness Sale. You know Mega what I mean? Well, sorry, what? <laughs> yeah, and then selling it for the full, like, 60 bucks, like three times the amount. Yeah, actually, talk about, like, suing and stuff. You know how last week we said, if you do something completely dumb, it's called doing a gene, because yeah. the gene seems metal horn thing. These guys have done a gene. Biggest genes in the world. But the best thing about this is they, they've gene Gene Simmons. They put their... <laughs> They put now they put their face on a kiss shirt. So, oh, that's right. Yeah, so hopefully this is the only time where I want Gene Simmons to sue someone and make them suffer because this is at least fair. So go Gene Simmons in this case. Yeah, I just want to see them bring out the shirt with the metal horns in front of it and them just kind of doing something like skanky, like with their legs across and like whatever. It's just a matter of time before they, uh, you know, come out and do something stupid again. I guess oh, so. It's just, it's just mor moronic. Let's talk about something happy. Uh, Dream Theatre have announced the tour of Imagine Worse to Australia. That's right, The Land Done Under will get to feature their second album. They literally are so happy with it that they're celebrating it. The first album, Danny, have you heard that pile of crap? Nah, man. Yeah, 
I can't believe there's a singer out there worse than James Labrie. <laughs> oh, <laughs> but, no. <laughs> but they managed to find it. And it is some of the... Oh, wow, it's pretty horrible. I mean, like... The guy from Vandom Plaz, there's another progressive metal band out there, and I think he tried to steal off of those two guys, and he sounds like crap because of it. So you can imagine what they sounded like. But Images and Words is a good album, and one that I guess we can celebrate, and I think the band's self-aware enough to know that it's probably one of their best ones. Definitely. Unfortunately, again, they've done the whole uh, We Can't See Adelaide on the Map of Australia um, tour, but to be fair, they're only doing Sydney and Melbourne. Yeah, they've even forgotten about Brisbane. Or Perth, so it's pretty much just the... um, bottom right corner of Australia so if you want to see them unfortunately most people are going to have to fly or travel for that one OTEP releasing their uh, basically um, a video where she came out and was saying how the local bands now don't sell tickets and that got a lot of people in uproar we covered the story last week with the band Danny um, the American Overdose and it was basically where the band American Overdose was the they were the local band, but they felt like they put in quite a lot of hard yards in that and got completely disrespected by these guys and eventually kicked off the tour. Mm. Um, and uh, they they really gave it to them. OTEP retaliated, well, you know, you guys don't sell tickets. So they did the only thing that they could think of, and that's burning some OTEP merchandise. Actually, to be fair, they physically never burnt merchandise, but they, they did create the um, OTEP sucks and... Fire truck OTEP shirts. Yeah. And apparently ex OTEP fans are the ones who burnt and set fire to these shirts and then linked in American Overdose to it so they could show support or yeah for this well, band. Yeah, because the, the, the screw OTEP sucks shirts, they're selling for like five bucks. That's a bug. That's I'm, an absolute bug. They're making a loss off of it. I've got to find out where they get these shirts made from, because we need to get some shirts made from these people. Yeah, they can, don't they know anything from Kylie Jenner? You can sell them for 125 <laughs> bucks. Don't they know that? You should put the face in them. <laughs> OTEP sucks Kylie Jenner face. Um, you know, we're, we're kind of under the impression that OTEP do really suck, and we kind of saw the writing on the wall when they released the uh, political correctness oh, aftershave terrible. commercial break that was their film oh, clip. so terrible. Um, it was terrible. It was a piece of crap. Um, toilet paper, you wouldn't let that touch your ass. Literally, you'd be ashamed to wipe your sweet, delicate behind with an OTEP, OTEP uh, song. Um, again, really though, we are here talking about OTEP and uh, the fans now have come out, ex-fans have come out and slammed them as well. They are starting to feel the heat, aren't they? Yeah, good. Oh, Heat, I get you, because they set their shirts on fire. That's oh, unintentional pun, but oh, I'm going to take it. What a segue. Uh, anyway, yeah, I think let's talk about this band a better, because they're not good, and that chick's definitely got an attitude, and she's losing more friends than she's gaining. Well, I want to talk about a lot about this guitarist I like called Mark Tremonti. He's just kind of this freak. He can do kind of any style and make it sound pretty good, but he basically, all he's trying to do is write songs that's going to make your girlfriend horny and, you know, cheat with him. Even if he doesn't, you know, that's what they're probably thinking about. He's got some pretty good songs, man. Yeah, he's ex-Creed guitarist, which might turn people off. But then he's formed his own band called Tremonti, and he also plays for Alter Bridge, which, according to his promoters, have um, the reformed Dio as their lead singer. So oh, that was great to hear. That was, you know, when when the record label came out and said that this lead singer from Alter Bridge is like Dio, we just had to listen to it, and um, we just want whatever hallucinogens <laughs> those uh, record producers are on, because, wow... There's, there's just no way that it's not even. He's not even Dio inspired. No, like you know, no. he, he doesn't even spell his name with a D, does he? <laughs> and if he does, it's the wrong Dio name. So um, oh, we'll get sidetracked. We'll get back to the story. Yeah, nothing brings positivity to a conversation than telling the young kids out there that uh, you probably won't make a song on the radio unless you're with a record label. Problem is, we've been talking about record labels lately. They're not doing very well by their um the bands underneath them, aren't they, Danny? Yeah, exactly right. It seems a lot of people these days 
try and get away from record labels and just go directly to distributors like Nuclear Blast or even Iced Earth last week. They're going to make their own recording studio and make it their own label dedicated to themselves. I mean, Dio did and Ninja and NG Productions. That was just a Dio label he started with his wife or now ex-wife. So Well, that's the thing. Yeah. You know, most of these guys are now like Periphery and the young guys coming through were doing like the independence thing where they're kind of doing it under their own name and getting it out there. But uh, what do you mean? What do you think Mark Twenty means? Maybe the higher profile radio stations will only look at you if there's a big name like Sony attached to it or Nuclear Blast to a degree if you're on Triple J. Yeah. Or more importantly, Andrew Hogue. That's right. Andrew giving, the boy, giving our boy a shout out. Australia's only 24-hour rock metal radio. Yeah, that's right. I couldn't even I couldn't even talk about metal for 24 hours. And this guy is playing music for that whole time. It's ridiculous. Yeah, no. It's, it's but anyway, Mark Tremonti... Getting on the radio, good luck to the kids, eh? Yeah, but like I said, you have other venues these days like YouTube and social media, etc. And like I said, if your song is great enough and your songs are great enough, you will find yourselves getting heard and played more. So it really comes down to you just writing quality music. People, well, not quality music, just music people want to hear. Yeah. I mean, Creed wasn't quality. That's what it is. Funny you said it. He's like, just write really good songs, but I'm always existential with it. Like, what's a good song? Oh, you know? Yes. Like, what what do, how do I know people are going to like it? And that's why I didn't get laid till I was like in my late 30s. Or early 30s, sorry. <laughs> anyway, let's go on to our editorial. Nothing spells out originality than ripping off someone's work. Am I right, Danny? You're right. Super Mario Brothers. I mean, Super Metal Brother, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> we've been notorious known for stealing and we felt really bad we're like maybe we're not doing enough in the heavy metal industry especially in the media industry but then we realized that people more established than us have been ripping other people off for years yeah and we want to talk about axel rosenberg he managed to in 2007 steal someone's work from 2006 uh Beth did it on a forum once uh saying uh things 101 things to know if you're into death metal yeah, some of that. The top 101 rules to be a death metal fan or something. That's right. And so he ripped that off unapologetically. And uh, for someone who's about political correctness, there sure is a lot of bad things about gay people in there. Oh, yeah. it's it's Every, <laughs> every like, fourth thing is you're gay. <laughs> I mean, just to say he's it was actually cooler. Like, the, uh, the website was cooler 10 years ago. It would have been. I, I, I wish he was... I wish he... The younger Rosenberg was there to tell the older one, dude, what's happened? You've changed, you know? You've taken all your madness and like left it in the toilet. Um, oh, it's ripped off a Simpsons reference. No, I haven't changed. The children have changed. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we thought we'd go one step further, and we like to not only rip off the media articles, but also our fans. And we thought, why not ask our fans the very important question that you know you're a metalhead if... And we had 14 responses to this. And we're and this was done in only about 12 hours. So to that, we really have to thank our fans out there, Danny. Yeah, solid response. Um, it, it, it is a big question. Like, what is it? People went more, like, literally or figuratively. Um, see, people went a bit more jokey. Some people a bit sexual as well. You know, very controversial here. But uh, all, all, all responses are appreciative. And before we go to our top 10 list, let's talk about the honorable mentions. That just fell a little bit short. And... Uh, Good old Hannah Annette Graham has come out and said, uh, you know you're a metalhead if your name is Matthew Marotti. Now, that is incredibly sweet, but I think these days I'm about as metal as a porcelain toilet, Danny. I know it's the third time I use that joke, but uh, that's my super metal brother, there's some of me. That's a 
pretty shit joke, man. <laughs> uh, oh, that's terrible. Richard movie. Dunn, if your name is Jestro and then featured the guy in a comic book panel looking very metal, yep. we would have taken your favorite boy from yeah, X-Men. Colossus. Colossus, yes. we would have taken that and we would have put that even higher on the list because Danny is hard on for the hardest man in X-Men. Yeah, that guy's awesome, man. The Russian accent's a bit weird, but it was good like when they released that movie last year, the Colossus movie, AK starring Daredevil. It was a great movie. Yeah, that's right. They basically had him carry Daredevil through the whole entire movie. That was awesome, man. And why not? He's he's Russian, isn't he? Uh, Colossus is. Yeah. Apparently. Jackie Tran, that uh, you know you're a metal head if you served in World War II or Vietnam War and wore a steel helmet. Very interesting, very observant, but not very funny. No. <laughs> Sounds about right. Just come from Jackie. Yeah. Uh, he's one of Danny's mates. Uh, I know. Oh, I don't put it on me. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we'll give him a shout out. And Christian Maroon. With the uh, plug of all plugs, literally, I've gone. You know those, tw- you know those uh, motherboards that have twelve different of those slots you can put your, uh, your charges in and stuff like that. Yeah, okay. Not enough plugs for this one oh, right here. Wow, it's like a mixing desk full of. Yeah, stuff. Christian Broom said you own Australia's number one and only specialized heavy metal metal school called Army A R M I Australian Rock and Metal Institute. Yeah, he based- knows it's a shameless plug, but we did do an interview with him. He did, based right here in Adelaide, Gawler Place. So if you're ever in the area, pop in for a very nice, friendly people. And we really hope the checks in the mail for that uh, there, um, Christian and Connie as well. We'll Give them a shout out because they are pretty cool cats. They were one of the first people we interviewed and that was when we were really struggling. But now we got fan in the world. Yeah. Literally, we got the uh, SoundCloud that tells you where people are coming from. A guy in America, whoever you are, man, that listens to our show, man, you're more supportive than our parents. Oh, this is great, man. We've got guys from America, some guys in Germany, Austria. Guys. Spread the love. Go and buy yourself a beer and have it for me, man. You guys are lovely butts. We are here right now, the top 10 metal head. You know you're a metal head if. Oh, you know, this is the part where if, if you watch David Letterman, you have the band playing, he's doing their roles. This is where we need to insert like a blast beat like roll. And I will. So here's tonight's top 10 list. Okay, so you know you're a metal head if. Number 10, Luke Galpin, your headsets off metal detectors. Ooh, Number 9, Danny Milano. Magnets give you a headache. Numbers eight. Dylan Shaw, you get kicked in the head at a Metallica concert. Number seven. Declan O'More, all the music in your playlist makes your orifices bleed. Mmm, delicious. Mm. <laughs> Frank Frick. Number six. Getting kicked in the face is a good thing and you can brag about it. Number five. Jamie Jackson. You would rather stay home and listen to metal than socialize because they play shitty music. Yeah, I understand that completely. Number four, Luke Serta. Listen to death metal helps you calm down and fall asleep, but everything else keeps you wide awake. Number three, Matthew Lowen. The girl sucking off gets lead poisoning. Mm. I have no idea what that feels like. At least not anemic. <laughs> Number two, Mitch Ramsey. You judge a gig by how many bruises you get. And the number one of... Last week. You know you're a metalhead if... Kaya Elliott. You're going out and you have to decide of your 50 black metal t-shirts which one you are going to wear. Play me out there, Danny. Yeah, and we're not talking about a stupid Kyle and Kendall Jenner 
crappy black metal shirts either. Yeah, no, no one's ever going to buy them. And not even they could sell those for five bucks, and I would still rather buy OTEP suck. Actually, you know what, dude? I think I might have to buy one anyway. You could buy twenty-five OTEP suck shirts for one hundred twenty-five bucks. Unreal. That's amazing. Unreal. Actually, and I, I read through the list, man. I found my top so. Uh, comments of the top so so to go back to oh, the sorry, actual yeah. original list you want to original talk about list, yeah let's go yeah. back to the original list so yes yeah, so from the original list i found eight or so funny ones i thought were good um so unfortunately i got stuck at number six reasons you number 101 rules to be a metalhead the number six rules you hate power metal so unfortunately i've already kicked off that list <laughs> oh yeah no that's fine but i think eventually dan when you get swain over from the blast to the blast beats death metal screaming and the overall hatred of mankind, you will understand. We're talking about blast beats. Number 17 is blast beats mean good drumming. So, again, I'll just... <laughs> Not doing well with death metal genre. No. Uh, 23 is you hate subgenres. There's nothing more than old school death metal, period. Uh, you already sold your In Flames albums along with everything that's not old school. Uh, you try to look really pissed in photos. Have no sense of humor, which I think both mean you ticks. That's a good mm. one. Uh, keep your hair long, even if you're going bold. Ouch. And number one is, I pretend your members of your family appreciate death metal at 3 a.m. in the morning. So, yeah. So, there you go, everybody. That was our top 10. Massive shouts to all our fans. Congratulations. Go to Kaya Elliott for what was a very, very funny uh, post, but they were all really entertaining to read as well. Much thank you, guys. But uh, let's go on right now to our final presentation, and that is the CD review. Sometimes here on the uh, Super Metal Brothers, we like to take a gamble. Every week, we want to give you guys, or at least every second week, we want to give you guys an awareness of an album that's come out that we need to give you our... Basically, we have to talk about it. We have to give you our impressions and our thoughts and feelings around it. And sometimes, they can kind of be average. You know, we've we've reviewed some crap here on the show. How are you, Danny? Oh, definitely right. It's always a swing and a miss. It's always hard as well when you hear one song and then you buy the album and review the whole album realize that's the only good song it's kind of like trailers you know you watch your trailer to like let's say any transformer movie anything would be great it just turns out to be a pile of mess but there are sometimes you come across bands that you've never heard of and in fact no one else has either and that's because they come from portugal out of all places yeah. we are talking about the band called invoke danny i mean portugal tucked away all down there below tasmania no oh, one's ever got to see him wouldn't even know what it's how to spell it that's why, though, we've got Google, and for some reason, we managed to fluke these guys, and uh, here we are talking about our first Portuguese metal band. From 1996, these guys have been a bombast of black and death metal supremacy. Uh, it's so unusual that, um, that Portugal can produce such a visceral sound. Normally, it's reserved for, you know, the higher, basically the higher you go, the more evil, the more dark it sounds. And you'd know better than anyone, Dan, reviewing this album in the Adelaide Hills with the fog, with the rain, with the fear of imminent death, how good this album can sound like, or Black and Death Metal can sound like. Yeah, definitely. I was like pretty much fully encased in this album. I was driving through the hills this morning, like Matt says, that early in the morning, so you had the low fog, it was dark, it was rainy, it was miserable, and you had this blasting in the car as well, and it just actually all fit quite well together, and yeah, this is a Black and Death album. And with names like the lead singer called Reborn, our bass player, drum sequencer called Anonymous God, and the drummer called Anon- Anim- Animosity, you know you're in for a good time. Wait, when you have stage names, I... <laughs> 
I just want to see like what face paint or how much like black and st- oh. or studs and like belts and like chains, whatever they've got. Their their tire must be pretty awesome. You can imagine just an airport just going like the the, the metal detector just going blowing up. It just cannot deal with this amount of metal. Actually, I think when I was driving through the foggy hills, I think I saw them posing for the album cover. Honestly, they couldn't be right unless they were burning something within a twenty meter <laughs> radius of them. Like they just they couldn't they couldn't feel right. And you know what? We love them for it because right now we're here to review the album Somnium Paradox. Angry album, this one, Danny. When you turn it on, you pretty much get the sense that these guys weren't allowed the chicken dish at high school. And believe me, when you put those nuggets in that roll, nothing beats it. Well, that's clever because Portuguese chicken, Matt, they're famous for their peri-peri stuff. So, oh. Matt, that's getting brilliant, brilliant work there, Matt. Oh, okay. I was just more <laughs> impressed with my asshole. Basically, it felt like they were drilling me the whole time. Um, let's talk about how the good things of this album right now. And I want to talk about how it starts. And it's like, this is how heavy metal in a black and death metal genre almost any like aggressive tone of metal should start it really at the very intro gets you going straight away and you get a presence that these guys are very confident of their songwriting abilities yeah definitely correct Matthew Marotti um yeah it it just starts off blast beats and like death metal that growling the black and scream growl which is just evil I mean to quote Grandpa Simpson it's like it's evil like It is. This album, like, the whole time has a very strong presence of foreboding imminent danger. Like, it's it's pretty much like like my girlfriend's cat, that when it hears something, anything startling, and, it, and it's erratic and it moves around, that's what this whole type thing is. It's in a state of fear and anger, and at least that's what it was status I put myself in, which is perfect. It's exactly how you want to be. But they do a little bit more to bridge it up as well. I mean, you get all that technicality, the blast beats, the trademark tremolo picking, but there's a certain amount of intensity and a little bit of that originality that comes from this band as well, Danny. Yeah, definitely. Right. They, they just don't repeat blast beats and tremolo picking and then stop and then do like a doomy section and build it back up again and go. They, they actually try to mix it up quite a bit, which I, I think it was quite it was quite nice to hear for a change. A lot of this black and death, it's really, it can be a bit repetitive and quite same, same after a while. And I get a bit sick. I mean, to be fair, they, they do use the blast beats a lot and I'm not the biggest blast beat fan. But Lisa Drum does try to change it up a lot with his different styles of drumming, different roles, more cymbal hits, um, does some offbeat stuff, which is all good. The interplay between the guitarist and drums is fantastic. So you have the drummer, he's going hammer and tongs, but the guitar plays a slow, methodic stuff. And then they'll switch it. So the guitarist does his trailer picking, and that's under like slow drumming. And that's quite a nice trade-off. And they bring in some melodies that just come all across from like the folklore of like Iron Maiden. Like You hear these power medley kind of leads. Not predominant they they feature maybe in track like three for example with um uh with Contier of the dark as well uh, sorry a more forgive uh, forever forgotten their fourth track it's got these weird sounding um saddy uh leads but it's aggressive and the tone is always kicking ass even when they're trying to develop different ideas and sounds uh it's just very energetic and it's very much uh like you if you're not listening to this thing at full blast and you have your fist clenched the whole time. I don't think you're listening to this album correctly. Yeah, it's true. I mean, you're right. Majority of the time, it's it's very attacking with you. Like the the blast beats are going and the tremolo picking. But sometimes, which was good to see, like track six and eight, they do strip it back and try to create a bit of ambience. Like yeah, speeches answer. Yeah, it felt like that old school Cradle of Filth where it's got those keys now, but a far better singer. I never was a fan of Danny Filth. However, this guy has tried some bad singing as well the uh, creatures beneath the five flesh has that very interesting chanty talk it was not very good now they try to um 
blend it in with using the synth. So the yeah. synth has that higher pitch in the background to give it that like evil, like rasp speaking but you're right didn't work that well I'm nah sure. Golda does that kind of stuff really well and I would suggest like if the band want to check out some of that old man child stuff from the later episodes it just sounds far more foreboding and evil however that's a minor misstep really the rest of the time um it's strong like the the melodies are and the and the rhythms and stuff are, really do well complement each other and um it's engaging. Like uh, it was very rarely that I'm looking at the time to see how far I'm into a song, you know. Yeah. Uh, and I got me from start to finish without, without really blinking. Like, I've just put it on a few times and just love my whole time on the way through it. Um, it really does kind of give me that familiarity with like sometimes the middle of Demu kind of style and the Belagor and Gilgamesh bands like that. And um, that's not a bad thing. Like the, these guys should be. If they keep going from strength to strength like they should be, these guys should be recognized as some of the best black and death metal going around right now. Oh, no, great. Again, you're right. I'm not the biggest fan of this music, but I was quite engaged with it. Yeah. But going back to singing, he actually, his growl and scream is fantastic. Like, it really suits this oh, it's perfect. genre and it suits the tone fantastically well. The one thing with black and death metal, which I really love, but it's such a hard thing to get right, is the riffing and. It's so easy for these bands, like when you got death metal, like Origin and all that kind of stuff, to play really fast and technical riffs, but there's no amount of an emotional connection at all. But you can have that at the in this kind of ferocity and this kind of speed and tempo, uh, engaging the listener with with very evil and dark sounding sounds like Arch Sphere that we reviewed last week. It's there is a balance that bands in this extreme metal need to. Uh, have and it doesn't mean balancing technicality it means balancing like a melody or some sort of like lick and these guys do it like there's yeah. evil legitimately evil sounding um riffs here and and the melodies from the pianos and stuff and and it's so much you could tell they would have hopefully have just gone like no that riff was not good enough not good enough and just and just polished each one to make it sound so much more engaging for a listener and um or maybe they're just naturally and for that I'd say go screw yourself like it is a very hard thing to get right and these guys have somehow managed to do it Danny yeah you're right especially keeping the tone and the ambience to it the use of the synth is always a strong thing it's funny like something like as soft and delicate you could say as like a synth or piano but used in the right tone surrounded by the different instrumentation it actually become quite evil and upsetting so they they use that well they have they used a, a music box sound effect in the star of track six and that's always creepy and cool so yeah that was quite nice for them to do that yeah it was very good it's it's just basically like cindy crawford man in in, in her late 30s it's like it's all perfection and but that mole there it's just that slight imperfection that maybe pushes her over or under depending where your philosophy about hotness comes in yeah and true i think their perfection imperfection this album unfortunately would be the production side of it um yeah. there's times when especially the start of track two it just sounded really muddy i couldn't really hit the guitars that well yeah there were some issues some slight issues with track three intro where the guitar loop just wasn't played at their level that they might have been happy with and stuff but that's no fault of their own i guess because at the end of the day um i have no idea what these guys are working with i've never heard portuguese metal before but if this is what their standard is it's a shame that it hasn't been brought more to light um just a just a very impressive listen, man. Yeah, it's true. I mean, again, sometimes I think they overdo the blast beats and the drumming, and it can be a bit too attacking aggressive at times. I do like it when they strip the back and try to create that tone, the ambience a bit more. Uh, it's just something they could maybe be less relentless on, but maybe they don't. Maybe they want that attacking oh, style. That's, yeah, it's and, and, and that's the thing is for me is that I know for me I think everything there is perfect. Um, 
Danny definitely being a power metal head, and I think this is the thing. These kind of riffs can engage someone in a guy like who are into that, you know, more melodic and stuff like that. Where I'm just like all for it. This is exactly what I've been dying to find. For me, this is like taking another hit. I would go from CD to CD to get a stronger dose of what I had the last one. And right now, this is like high grade California cocaine. Like this is perfect. <laughs> It's getting me. It's going to get me through the weekends, and uh, I want to keep going back for more of it. Um, the thing with this, though, and this is what I wanted to talk about in the show today, is why is this kind of style that we like, but when we listen to Noctum and bands like Hate, like this year that we reviewed, why do they fall short? But why do we like this album so much, for Danny? Why do we want to recommend this album than Hate and Noctum, which I feel do the very similar style, mm. but don't add the, what these guys can bring. Uh, I think the the big word there was add those albums didn't really add anything to their song structures. I think they were a bit too repetitive, a bit too same, a bit too safe. You could say these guys here they try to make it diverse, make songs different, sound different. Um, they have a bit of progressive nature to their songs, so they try to take you on a flow, etc. And they would chuck in different instrumentations. Every like instrument would have its section to be heavy or slow or methodic, etc. So I think that's the thing good thing about these guys. They actually yeah write clever songs. Um, yeah, everybody has a chance to shine everybody has their um part to add to the song which i found was quite good I yeah mean, i agree i i got reminiscent of uh, bands like uh, vasania as well which the guys uh side project from the guy from behemoth and stuff like that and um same sort of thing where these guys can do grooves and they can do dark evil sounding keys or you know show off a technicality of a drummer but the one thing this drummer does is push songs forward all the time he's never doing something that doesn't um fight against the song it's always fighting with it you know and i think that a special props go out to someone at this kind of style and i think uh it really helps to bring out such great playing from everyone else i mean it can kind of fall on the knife where it can kind of fall either side and uh, i think this guy just did such a great job um, it's what basically hate was doing back in the day before they got lost in the fam- familiar, you know, where it became about, yeah, we want to have a black metal sound. But before, like, there was so much innovation going around and these guys are doing the same thing where it's not quite black, it's not quite death, but you can hear both of it. And I think that that's where um, it's a great sound that um, people can really get into. Uh, or at least I'd hope so. Again, I'd imagine this would go over as well with fans than uh, Miley Cyrus um, getting butt cancer from, you know, singing with a microphone in her, in her pancreas, which wouldn't go over very well, I'd That's imagine. the weirdest thing ever, man. <laughs> anyway, go back, go back to like, the song ability, writing ability. I think one of the coolest things about this album is actually the start of track eight, the last track, um, the guitar line and tone he uses is actually, it was just, I don't know, for some reason that really resonated with me. It was quite a interesting tone. The line was quite a minor evil tone and... Uh, uh, I guess structure actually that, that was I thought was a really really cool thing to hear so if you just want to hear that part of the last track it was actually great yeah I, I'm i just looking forward to like with my own it's one of those bands for me it's like I can hear so many ideas and like dude I can't wait to rip that off you know and uh, with hopefully a lot of luck these guys will be like pushing ways like I know Chronix is doing quite well right now obviously Behemoth probably right at the top of Black and Death Metal um, Nile being more death I guess um, it's a bit hard to say that but um, yeah but being in Portugal, man, it's going to be tough. Like I won't lie to you guys. That will be interesting. But hopefully we've uh, helped you guys out as best as we can because I was, um, man, I was blown away, dude. Yeah, actually, I, I surprisingly enjoyed it. Yeah. 
with that, we have to give a final recommendation of, I think if you're interested into black or death metal, you must buy this album or at least check it out. Um, it's going to be tricky. I think on Bandcamp's your only rule option. And they're asking, and you're going to love this, Danny, $3.33 Euros minimum for the album. I mean, come on. Well, that's, that's a joke. That's stupid. You know, the, these guys should be asking full price, but I understand the way the world is at the moment. Hey, if someone's buying your music, that's good enough, whether it's oh, been a yeah. buck for it or, tw- or 20 bucks for it, you know. Um, criminally underrated, this band uh, really deserves uh, a bigger shout out. Hopefully, the, the, the stuff that they go on to do after this is just as powerful. But, like you said, Danny, a little bit more production, they get a little bit more money, as much as money as Black and Death Metal can rake. And, uh, you know, buy that, um, buy that awesome sounding double kick, then uh, forget to those food for the next three years. Yeah, good stuff. And with that, I guess uh, that is hitting the end of that show. We are here in July right now, and I have been seeing a few lists, Danny, about the metal albums of the year, right? And we're halfway, right? And a lot of uh, publications are doing best metal albums so far. We've seen a couple of those, and I sent you a link the other day, and I've noticed that none of really that we've reviewed this year has made it onto people's lists. Mm. Do people listen to metal, Danny, these days, or are we just Mm. not the market that is right now going on? Yeah. I don't know. It just seems a bit interesting. A bit con- Again, look, I know it's a tasty, but some, some albums you just think they really should be on that list. I mean, they're picking ba- bands I've never heard of before, small bands. So the bands we're listening to, they're small, but they're great. Well, I thought Obituary, like, yeah, as far it. as a big name, I thought that would naturally fit into any list. You know, this is like, you know, the Testament problem where it was like a band that big, but producing quality still... Wouldn't that naturally? I mean, you normally get Metal Hammer giving these fallacious members blowjobs at their award ceremony just for even writing a song, let yeah, alone yeah. a good album, you know? But um, not to see a band like that get a shout-out is kind of disappointing. Yeah. Hopefully, yeah. we can see with, uh, you know, Invoke as well. You know, there's been a, this, uh, this year has actually been really solid. There's been far more good albums than it has been the Suicide Silences, you know, <laughs> or the Inflames Battles. You know, yeah. nothing like offensively bad this year, apart from that one off, has really come out, which a testament to and, uh, 2017. Yeah, definitely. Right. It's, it's been quite good, even like through different genres. It's actually been pretty solid throughout. And now we've got Decapitated coming out next week. These yeah. guys are juggernauts. They have been known as probably the best death metal in a com- commercial sense. I think they've been able to brought out, they came to Australia and stole the show against Suffocation. Mm. Uh, only Suffocation fans would argue any differently, but to anyone else, he wasn't, you know, so far biased to the, uh, which is fine, you know, obviously, but, uh, you know, that's the whole point. You know, we're trying to say is De- Decapitated really are going on very strong. They are as good as their albums are short, so <laughs> all killer really and very little filler because they can't afford to put it on there. So with that, you know, that's going to be the next couple of weeks. There's going to be uh, some big bands coming out here soon. We want to review it. If you guys want to check us out more, head over to our Facebook account, facebook.com forward slash bro or SoundCloud, which we're hearing on right now. Make sure you, you go and leave us a, uh, a band you want us to check out, maybe a CD review, maybe a news story you want us to talk about, or uh, hey, if we really like it, we'll make it an editorial piece and, uh, you know, we'll feature your whole entire story on our uh, main uh, section of our uh, podcast. Yeah. Uh, share it around so if you've got friends like metal you think they'd be interested in this podcast share it around no harm in doing that man we'll appreciate it so I'd like to thank you guys for listening once again to our show Danny have you got a song for the guys on the way out unfortunately not because normally I do like in the words from the band we just reviewed but in the words from Vote I don't understand Death and Black lyrics and they've got no lyrics anywhere so in the words of the Vote something about Satan I guess yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Super Metal Brother Matt and I'm Super Metal Brother Dan we've been the Super Metal Brothers thank you so much for listening catch you next week